Well, good morning, church. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who takes the broken pieces of our lives and he turns them into something beautiful, right? A masterpiece. I had a guy that came up to me after the first service. He said, it doesn't feel like God's using a chisel. It feels like he's using a jackhammer on me right now. You ever felt like that? When we go through struggles in our lives. But one of the things that I loved in the video that was said was that this is a process. It's a process that God takes us through. It's not just something that automatically we're zapped with and we have this holiness in our life. God takes us through a process that's called sanctification. I want to talk to you a little bit about what that is. We've been in this series called Broken Pieces. This is the last week. And speaking of masterpiece, uh, don't you love what our artist uh, uh, Sherry Abinshan and Jessica Harding put together? We took these a few weeks ago. Can we give them a round of applause? We took these... Uh, we took these tiles, and a few weeks ago, and again, in the video, what was said a second ago is that, is that we like to talk about these things, or sometimes we do, but we'll do a lot of talking, but sometimes there's work that needs to be done when we actually begin to do the work. And so you began by doing the work by acknowledging what some of the broken things are in our lives. We took these, we broke them, and then these things were crafted and placed into this masterpiece that will be on display in our church. And I just love how God takes the broken pieces of our lives, and I want to start by giving you a key thought this morning, okay, as we are wrapping this series up. And here is the thing. Let me ask you this question first before I get to the thought. The question is this. How many of you would be honest and say that you've got a struggle that you're dealing with right now in your life? Would you just raise your hands, look, look around? You see that a lot of us are going through some struggles. We have broken things that are in our lives. Is there anybody that has never had to deal with a struggle or a problem in your life? Anybody at all? Okay. If you're raising your hand, you're probably under five. You've probably never been married. You never had kids. You don't have a job right? We could just keep going down the line. The reality is, and so many hands went up, the reality is, is we're all battling with something. We all have something that has been broken in our lives, something that we battle with, something that we struggle with. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle in our life. For some of, it, it's some, th some of us, it's some things that are in our past, and, and maybe we haven't worked through some of those things. And here is what we've been achieving and, and really praying that God would do in our lives in this series, is that there are a lot of us who stay stuck in that place, and we don't ever grow through these things, and maybe we don't ever learn lessons in the midst of our problems. And so sometimes we repeat the same things, or our family goes through the same thing because we've never grown. And so I want you to write this down if you're taking some notes. Here's a key thought for you today is this. God's main purpose for your life is to become like Jesus. It's for you to become more like Christ, to look more like him in the way that you live, the way that you talk, the way that you interact with people. This is a development process that God is taking you through where he is shaping your character, where he's causing you to look more and more like Christ. Christ. And this goes beyond just your short-term happiness in this world in which we live right now. What this is about, it's not about our comfort. It's about conforming. It's conforming into the image of Jesus. It's developing our holiness. And, and this is what God is doing through a divine work, through chiseling that is happening in our lives. Sometimes it's painful, uh, but it's necessary for us to look more and more like Jesus. Now, when, it, when God saved us, through faith in Jesus Christ, you need to understand, every believer needs to know this, there's three parts of salvation that we all experience. When you place your faith in Jesus, the first one is called justification, right? And we talked a lot about that in the book of Galatians a few weeks ago, and this is all past tense. This is what has already been done. You have been saved. It's past tense. God was at work in your life, and he has saved you, and, and he saved you from the penalty 
penalty of sin in your life, the penalty which is eternal separation from him. We've talked a lot about that one, but what I wanna talk to you about today is the second part of our salvation, and this is called sanctification. This is where God is currently, presently saving you right now. For many of us, most of us could say that we are our own worst enemy. We oftentimes have things that are in our life that is not bringing glory to God or things that are not appropriate and we need to work on and we need to grow in. And where God is saving us right now, he is saving us from the power of sin over our lives. Where in justification, he saves us from the penalty, it's past tense. Sanctification is present tense. He is currently saving you from this power that sin so often has in our lives. But this is a process that he takes us through. It's called sanctification. That's a theological term that we don't need to be scared of. We need to all understand it as we're growing in our faith in Christ. And it simply just means this, to be made to look more like Jesus. That's what it means, that he's doing this in your life as a believer if you are in Christ. There's a third part of our salvation that I won't spend any time on today, but it's all throughout scripture and it's called glorification. This is future tense. This is you and I will be saved from the presence of sin. All right, you have the penalty of sin, the power of sin, the presence of sin, future tense. We won't have to worry about that in the future because God is going to save us. It's going to come where we will live in a place where there's no more brokenness, no more sorrow, no more sickness or dying or or all of these things. That is out ahead of us and what we have to look forward to. But in the meantime, we're in a broken world, aren't we? We're in a world right now where there are struggles. Jesus said, in this world, you will have many sorrows. John 16, is what we looked at last week for a few moments. We serve, though, under a God who is sovereignly at work, though. And we need to understand that he's working even in the brokenness in our lives. He's working in the broken pieces, and he is, in his power, through our surrender, developing a masterpiece. We can't see it right now, but this is what he's doing. He's taking the chisel to our lives in a number of ways. Paul writes this in Romans. I'm gonna take you to two certain passages today for a few minutes, Romans chapter eight. You can also go and start turning with me to 2 Corinthians chapter four. Paul wrote both of these and he's a perfect example of God bringing sanctification through his life. Paul writes this, and I want you to hear the confidence so you can know this, that whatever, those of you who raised your hands, you can know that whatever you're going through right now, you can know that God is doing something in this. Listen to how Paul says it. Remember about Paul. Paul often wrote he was imprisoned at certain times. He was rejected. He, he had went through terrible hardships. We know that he, uh, they, they took him outside when he would preach the gospel and they, they would try to kill him with, by stoning him to death. They, they beat him with rods. Paul went through all kinds of things. He was shipwrecked. And Paul writes this, and this is such an encouragement for us. Listen to the confidence that he says, and we know, do you hear confidence there? We can actually be confident about this, that God causes everything to work together. It's working together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. Now, will you read verse 29 out loud? Let's say it out loud together. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his, that's sanctification. He has chosen you to look more like 
Jesus. That's the process. Now, what does it mean to become like Jesus? How does that begin to play out in our lives? Well, we call this, and this, you can go back to the book of Galatians for this. This is called the fruit of the Spirit, okay? And the fruit of the Spirit are these nine qualities that if you are to read about Jesus or you were to observe Jesus while he was walking on this planet, this is what you would see in Jesus. If you know the fruit of the Spirit, you can say it with me out loud. We're going to look more into it next week, by the way, okay? Say the fruit of the Spirit if you know it. If you don't, it's okay. What do we know? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's good. If you don't know that, I encourage you to commit that to memory because this is, this is what Jesus looked like when he walked on this planet. You saw love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, right? Self-control. It's a perfect picture of what God wants your life and my life to look like. This is what he wants to do within us. But how do we develop love? Are you just instantly zapped a loving person the moment that you place your faith in Jesus Christ? Or, or just, it's just easy, comes easy for you? Well, this is what we find that God will often do in the process of developing us. It's easy for us to love people who are a lot like us. It's easy for us to love people that think the same way that we think, that do the same things that we do. Is it easy to love people that don't treat us right though or think differently than we do? No. And so what God will many times do is he will allow us to go through a situation where we will be around a person who is unlovable because he's gonna teach us how to love. And that's hard, isn't it? What about, uh, what about joy? How do we just, are you instantly just made joyful? Now, God is working in you and he's giving you this gift of joy, all right? And how does he produce joy in my life? Well, many times it's by allowing us to go through times of trial. He will produce joy within us because anybody can be joyful whenever everything is going great, true? It's easy to be joyful when all of the, the things that are happening in your life are perfectly lining up. But what about whenever you're going through the struggle that you raised your hand about? What do we know about joy? It's internal. Happiness is external. Happiness is all about circumstances on the outside, happenstance, right? Joy is something that is produced internally. How are you going to learn to become joyful whenever everything is going well all the time? What about peace? When we go through times of stress, and some of you are in a stressful time, when you go through conflict, and if you ever have conflict, the thing we wanna ask God during the time is, God, what are you trying to teach me about how to be peaceful? About how to have peace in the midst of the storm? How about patience? Where do you learn to be patient? I find this about myself because I struggle with this one. Does anybody else struggle with patience? Okay, raise your hands. We find the lesson on patience in waiting in lines. We find the lessons on, if you wanna learn how to be patient, anybody praying for God to teach you to be patient? Anybody praying for that? Okay, be careful, all right? You should be praying for that along with me, but I've been praying for that because I, I've been struggling with patience with people. And I find as I was seeking the Lord the other morning, Lord, refine me, make me more like Jesus. Show me areas that I need to grow in. And one of the things that he spoke into my heart about, whispered in my ear was, you have some serious road rage issues, my friend. We live in an area where God is teaching us patience. Wouldn't you agree? 
Our area is one of the fastest growing areas in the nation, 14th in the nation now, right? Third fastest growing in all of the nation, which means this, there are more people than there are road space. There's more people for us to be able to, and, and so, and here is what God's teaching me right now, especially patience with the non-turn signal people. Anybody else feel that? These people need Jesus. I'm saying that right now. And, and I'm waiting, and, and I feel like God is teaching me this right now. But here is as I prayed for this, and, and it's been comical over the last few days because I am thinking God zapped all turn signals the last few days, and none of them are working because God's teaching me a lesson right now. And he's like, I'm gonna teach you to be patient. And as I know that he's up to something seriously, okay, my perspective changes a little bit. My perspective changes in that I know that God is doing something in this challenge, in this, and that's a small challenge, but he's teaching me something. What Paul said in Romans 8, so all of those things, how's he going to teach you gentleness? How's he going to teach you self-control? All of these things that we are going through right now, we got to take comfort in knowing they're not without purpose. If you were to title what we're talking about today is you find God's purpose in our pain or in our problems. By God's sovereignty, he's working together. He's doing something with this. It says that he works these things together. He brings them together. Now here's the hard part of hearing this today. The hard part is he's working all these things together, but he says for the good. He doesn't say these things are good, but he's working them for the good For those who love him. You need to know this promise is not for everybody. This promise is for those who love him. Those who are in relationship with him. Well, how does God do this? What does it look like? If you're taking some notes, some things to write down. Number one, he refines us and he sanctifies us. He chisels us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through, through the Holy Spirit working in our life, producing joy and peace and patience and love and these things. God is, is working this as we surrender and die to ourselves. The Holy Spirit is producing this within us. But here's how he also produces this within us and how he sanctifies us through his word. It's so important that every day we are filling our minds with God's word, that we're learning his word because what I find when I sit on my back porch and I read my Bible is I find a correction that I need. I find instruction that is important on how to live. He speaks to me about being patient. He speaks to me about gentleness and kindness and all of these things. So you're gonna find it through the word. If you're not reading the word, you're gonna miss out on this sanctification. If you're not hearing it taught, you're going to miss out on this. Here's another way that he speaks into our lives, and he sanctifies us, and he chisels away. It's through other people. Many times he will use other people to begin to share things in our life, and and, and it's something that, that he will affirm through another person. And I found this the other day because I was struggling with something. I was struggling with a person that I needed to talk to, but I didn't want to. I've got a group of people that I meet with, and I was actually discipling another man uh, where I'm pouring Christ into him, and I'm really open with him, and he's open with me. And he said to me, his name's Miguel, and Miguel said to me, he said, have you, have you talked to this person in a while? And I said, no, and I really didn't want to, okay, because I was just kind of bugged about it. And Miguel said to me, he said, and I did not want to hear this. He said, Miguel, I'm discipling him. And he said, you really ought to call him. And I was like, I don't want to do that, Lord. I walked away from that, and I knew that God was speaking to me through Miguel that day. And I went and I called that person, and I'm glad that I did. God will use other people in your life. Here's another way that God will chisel away at us. Are you ready? This is the one that kind of hurts. He will use pressures. 
He will use problems. He will use pain. He will oftentimes refine us through these things that we're going through. And some of you are going through something right now and God doesn't want to waste what you're going through. God wants to make you more like Jesus. I love what C.S. Lewis, the great theologian said, and he went through a lot of pain in his life, but here's what he said, and many of you can relate. God whispers to us in our pleasures, true, right? We hear and we find that pleasure. We hear him speaking. He speaks in our consciences, but look at this, but he shouts in our pain. Sometimes the pain is what he uses to really get our attention, to come to him, to acknowledge that we need him. We can know that as a believer, God's not wasting any situation that you're going through in your life. And and you may say, well, why is he allowing this in my life right now? We need to know that this isn't heaven. This is why we pray your will on earth be done as it is in heaven. There's much of what is happening in this world right now that is not God's will. And that's what we're asking for is God to bring that will in my life so that I line up with you, God. And so God has a place for it. God has a purpose in it and God has a perspective of it. Now, one of the things that I love so much about Paul was Paul didn't just preach this. You're gonna find that Paul really lived this out. He's gonna say to the Corinthian believers, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter four, look at verse seven. He says, we now have this light, that's the gospel, that's shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like, what does he say? Read it with me, church. What does he say? Fragile clay jars. What do we know about fragile clay jars? These things are easily broken, right? Easily they are damaged. They're broken. We are these fragile clay jars containing this great treasure, which is the gospel. This makes it clear that troubles, that's pressures, right? This makes it clear that our great power is from God. It's not from ourselves. Sorry, I read ahead there. We are pressed on every side by troubles. That's, that's pressure coming in from all sides. And some of you feel like that right now, like you, you're under pressure right now. You're going through a struggle right now. But look at what Paul says. Paul felt this, but look at what he says. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, and maybe that's where you are today. You don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. We're perplexed on every side, or excuse me, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down. What Paul was feeling was that everyone's against me. You ever felt like that? Everyone's against me right now. But we are never abandoned by God. See, Paul has a perspective here that he wants us to gain. We get knocked down. Sometimes life is going to sucker punch you and knock you down. But look at what he says, but we are not destroyed. Through, what's the next word? Everyone say it with me. Suffering. There's a lot of suffering that happens this side of heaven, isn't there? Because this world is broken. But through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Now watch, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in me, in our bodies. And I, when I read that, I thought, seen by whom? It's the people who are around you in your life. What do they see as you go through what you go through? You've heard me say this a lot if you've been coming here, and, and we, we believe this. You can't control the things that are going to happen in your life. The only thing we have control is how we respond to those things. What do people see as you, a believer, as you go through struggle? Do you cave? Do you fold it up? Do you just throw in the towel? 
Yes, look at what he says. We live under constant danger. This is the kind of struggle Paul was in. Constant. It was consistent. It never let up throughout his entirety of following Jesus Christ. We live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. There are some that will teach that when you serve Jesus that you won't go through problems. And I am telling you that is a false teaching. In this world, Jesus said, you will have struggles. You're going to have problems in this life. That is why it is imperative that I just not be someone who entertains you on Sunday. It is our responsibility as your pastors knowing that you're going to have hardship in your life that I am making certain and our pastors are making certain that you are growing in your faith, that your roots are growing in Jesus Christ because life is going to come sometimes and deal you a blow because this is in heaven. He goes on and he says this, so he said that so that we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident. Would it be evident to those who are observing you as you go through this, would it be evident that Christ is in this dying body? So we live, Paul says, in the face of death. We live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. What Paul is saying to the Corinthian believers is he's saying, you have watched us go through problems and it has led you closer to Jesus because of what God has done through our brokenness. And I just want you to know that whatever you may be going through today, many of you raised your hands, I want you to know God doesn't want to waste it. God wants to lead other people closer to himself by them observing how you handle the things that are going on within your life. And he's not going to let you go through these things alone. He sometimes will remove them, but oftentimes he will not. I love the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you know anything about him, he was a German pastor that lived back in the, uh, during the time of the World War II era. And and he was known for standing up against Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime that came in. And as you know the story there, the atrocities that they committed. Uh, and, and it was just incredible to know Bonhoeffer's story, to know that at one point he was not in Germany and he was able to seek asylum in America or in London. He was doing some teaching. He could have stayed there because he faced great opposition. Every time that he would stand up against Hitler, he was persecuted for his Christian faith and his Morality, that he would say that what they were doing was wrong, it was immoral. He took a stand no matter what. And he, was, he was, had the opportunity to seek asylum, but God was stirring in his heart to go back. And so he went back knowing that it ultimately would most likely lead to his apprehension. And whenever he went back, it wasn't long after that, that he was arrested and that he was placed in a concentration camp where he would ultimately lose his life. For two years there, he was tortured. They threatened his family. They threatened his fiance. They tried to get him to recant against Hitler the things he was saying that were immoral that Hitler was doing, and he would not. And in spite of all of the pain... In spite of the pain, we would love to know that maybe, maybe he was released, right? Maybe something God rescued him out of this, but ultimately he was hanged in Flossenburg Prison in 1945. He was 39 years old. But this is what I want you to hear. By the way, 11 days later, the Americans came and rescued all who were still in that camp, 11 days later. But this is what I want you to hear. While he was there, there was a peace that was spoken of that he had in his life that nobody else had. 
They saw him as a man of peace. In fact, so much that while he was on his way to the gallows, that there were Nazi guards that were apologizing to him. Some of them were sympathetic to him and they they tried to release him and he refused to go. They tried to give him a way to escape and he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to risk other prisoners being uh, treated horribly on his account. So he stayed. He stayed in the midst of this. And and, and while he went to the gallows, he didn't lash out. He didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, he was, they said that his demeanor was one of peace. This is what he said before he was hanged. He said this, this is the end. But for me, the beginning of life, what a perspective. The beginning of life, just so much like Paul's, to live is Christ, but to die is what? Gain. You may be able to take this life from me right now, but you can't take what I have on the inside. And this is where he was at. The other prisoners were so inspired by his steadfast faith. There were Nazi guards that, were, that, were, that noticed what was going on. This is what Paul is talking about, this evidence of what God is doing in our lives in these dying bodies. In these dying bodies where God is doing something where others notice how we handle things whenever things go wrong. This is why Paul said we live under constant threat of danger. We live under constant threat because in these bodies we're serving Jesus still. But this is what we want so that the evidence of Christ being in us is being revealed to those around us. If you skip down to verse 16, Paul is going to give us this incredible perspective. Let me just take you through this quickly. And if you're going through a hard time right now, I'm really, I'm praying that God would speak to you right now through his word. Here's what he says, verse 16. That is why we never give up. We never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Our spirits being renewed. For look at this, for our present troubles are small. Now it's not saying that what you're going through, that it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but what is he doing? He's putting it in perspective of what is out ahead of him. Our present troubles are small, and will you say the next part with me because I know you're gonna like it, and they won't last very long. Now, it seems like it's an eternity right now, doesn't it? But what is he doing? He's saying you gotta change your perspective. In comparison to eternity, this is not very long. You're gonna be in a place where there'll be no more suffering. This is what you have to look forward to. Look, they won't last very long, yet, Right now, this is what they're doing. They are producing something. It's something's happening in your life. It's not pointless. They're producing something for us, a glory that vastly outweighs them, those problems, and they will last forever. What is this? This is the sanctification process. This is what God is doing. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Now, he's not saying stick your head in the sand and live in denial. No, what he's saying is, You have in your peripheral the problem, but you fix your gaze upon who is in control, which is our God. This is what he says. Paul's not delusional here. He's saying this is how you go through a problem. This is how you deal with this. For the things that we now, we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see, those things will last forever. I know some of you in this room, because I've been your pastor for some time now, I know some of you who have gone through some devastating things. I've sat with some of you in the hospital when you got a bad diagnosis. 
I've sat with you whenever maybe somebody walked out of your life. I've sat with you when you lost a job. Or whenever something bad happened to one of your kids. I've officiated a lot of funerals in this church because this church has gotten bigger and we're going to see more and more of that as our church gets bigger. There's a lot of, here's what, that, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to be a downer today. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain. And that is why it is imperative that we as your pastors, we teach you how to not get over it, but to move through it. How do you move through it in this life? Paul's not diminishing any of the emotion of this, okay? He's, he's trying to anchor you and anchor me as we go through hardships right now. He's trying to prepare us. Peter tried to prepare us. Peter said, don't be surprised when you go through troubles in this life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have many struggles, he said, what are they saying? This world right now is broken. Nothing works right, correct? These bodies are broken, amen? This world is broken. The weather doesn't work right. The economy doesn't work right. Relationships don't. Why? Because this is in heaven. This is in heaven. When we look in the scripture, there's so many biblical examples. You may say, well, where is God in the midst of all of this pain? Well, this is what the scripture says. God is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to those who are crushed in spirit. He saves those. He's close to them. So many examples. Think about this with me. God could have delivered Joseph out of the jail as he was in, 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 there in unjust ways, but he didn't. Why? Because he was doing something in his life there. Now, we know that ultimately he did later. God could have delivered Daniel out of the lion's den there, but God was doing something in Daniel's life. God could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked, but he didn't. He could have kept Paul from going through all of this, but he didn't. God could have kept Moses out of the wilderness for 40 years. What I'm trying to show you is there's so many biblical examples of people who are going through times like this where God, through his greater plan, is doing something that we just can't see yet. Listen to me. God could have kept his son from going to the cross, but aren't you thankful that he didn't? He allowed Jesus to go to the cross to for the bigger plan, the bigger purpose of rescuing us. And think about all this. When Jesus was on this earth, think of the things that Jesus went through. Was Jesus ever lonely? Yes. Did Jesus ever get really tired? Absolutely. Did Jesus ever get rejected by people and people acted like they didn't like him? All of these things Jesus went through, we need to understand that we're gonna go through those kinds of things in our life if we're gonna be made to look more like Jesus. It's part of the refining process. It's not fun. It's painful as we go. So let me give you some takeaways just really quick, okay? I want to give you this. How do you apply this, okay? So if you're in the middle of something that's hard right now, it's a broken piece in your life, how do you move forward? Not just get over it. You don't get over it, but how do you get through it? Number one, I remember that God's plan is good. Paul is taking us back to the fact that God is working a plan. I remember his plan is good. I don't have time to tell you about Joseph today, but if you have never read the story of Joseph, go read his story. Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And you're going to find a man who went through all kinds of suffering for many, many years. But what God was doing was beautifully taking him to a place 
of a bigger picture of preserving all of his nation through Joseph. And he gets with his brothers who had sold him into slavery. He had been falsely accused. He gets with his brothers. And you know that in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says this. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. You see, so matter, no matter where you are in your life today, God is working something. He's doing something. God's not surprised. It's not out of his control. He's working in your life. And I know we can't see it right now. We may never see it this side of heaven. But I noticed something that Paul kept emphasizing, that what we're going through right now is temporal. It's going to pass. But what we have to look forward to is eternal so I remember that God is working a plan, okay? I, secondly, I rejoice and I give thanks. Was Paul delusional when he's telling us to give thanks and to be joyful? First Thessalonians, Paul says this, always be joyful. Many times he wrote words like this while he was in prison. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Now, what did we teach you last week? Last week, we taught you that a prayer can also be a lament, and so you get real with God. Never stop praying, even when you're angry. Keep talking to him. It's okay to lament. You complain to him, not about him. Look at this, though. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. When my brother-in-law Dan died, I want you to know and I was not thankful for that when this happened years ago. But what God has taught me in the process and is still teaching is, is to learn how to be thankful in the, in the midst of the pain. What am I thankful for? That God has never abandoned us in this. That God has been with us through this the entire time. That we know and have hope that this isn't the end. That we will see him again. That this isn't all. We give thanks in this, not for this, okay? Paul said be joyful. He's not just being delusional. Paul would say it in Philippians, and he wrote this when he was in prison. Here's your third and final thing. This is what Paul tells us in this passage. And here's where some of you need to, you need to hear this. I've got to refuse to give up. I'm not going to give up in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my focus upon Christ. I'm going to keep pressing through this. I need to know that God is doing something in this. He's working in my life. Many times we are prone to ask this question, and I've asked this question a lot, and it's okay to ask a question. I've asked the question, why? But what God is teaching me throughout my lifetime is the better question is, God, what are you doing right now? What are you teaching me right now? How are you, con don't just make me comfortable, although I'll take some of your comfort. What I need more is I need you to conform me more like your son. I need you to work this in my life. I want to invite you to prayer with me, okay? And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you all to stand up. Will you stand with me? And let's just go to the Lord in prayer. So if you'll bow your heads with me, we're going to do a final song. But as you bow your heads with me, I want to just pray over you today. I want us to have a time of prayer just as you get alone with God as you're standing there. Now, if you are going through a very challenging, difficult time, one of the things that I will tell you, if you're new here, you need to hear this. We don't come here to play church or go through the motions of church. This is a house of prayer. And so today, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is I want you to rest in Jesus at this moment. 
And so what you may want to do right now is just sit down at this moment. It's okay to be seated. I don't want anybody else looking around. But if you are just going through a struggle right now and you're so weary and you're so fatigued, just go ahead and be seated right now. It's okay to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But at this moment, I want to just begin to pray for you. Others of you who are still standing, maybe you would just begin to pray for your brothers and sisters who are seated right now. We have, listen to me, we have no idea what people who are in here are going through in their lives right now. Some of them are going through the hardest time in their life. Some of you this morning, maybe you're standing next to somebody there. I don't, I don't want you to do anything weird or weird them out. But maybe today you just put your hand on their shoulder so they know they're not alone and you just begin praying for them right now. I want to pray over those of you who are struggling today. Father, you see these who are seated right now. And Lord, I know this, that there are even those who wish they would have sat down. Lord, I want to pray over them right now. I don't know what problems they're going through, but without even knowing many of them, I know that one thing is true, that while Satan means what is happening in their life for bad, God, you are in control and you can and will, even though we can't see it, you can work it for good. I thank you that you can take even the bitter things that are in our lives and Lord, you can stir these things together and bring good out of them. And that is my prayer today for my friends who are seated right now. Lord, I pray for strength for them today to keep on going. Give them just the comfort of knowing that you have a greater plan than just what is happening in the immediate moment of this present trouble. Lord, we know that we cannot control what happens to us, but God, would you give us the wisdom to know how to respond? So Father, I pray for your peace. I pray for your supernatural sanctifying work to be done. Lord, so much that in some strange way, we could even be grateful in the circumstance, right? not for it, but in it. That you would even teach us what it means to rejoice in you always. To be able to focus on the reward that is to come, not to be fixated on the problem that is at hand. So Father, would you just move powerfully over these who are struggling today? Give them your rest. You told us to come to you when we are heavy burdened and that you would give us rest and peace. So we do rest in you right now, Lord. I thank you for the rest of my brothers and sisters who are here today. Lord, would you strengthen our faith? Because we may not be the one who is sitting down right now, but at some point, it may be us. So God, would you make us more like Jesus? Would you strengthen us? Would you shine your light brightly in these fragile clay jars for others to see? 
gospel at work in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite all of you to stand with me as we sing this final song.